Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of June 30. In the news, four servicemen are killed in an Azerbaijani attack in Artsakh. The foreign ministers of Armenia and Azerbaijan conclude the latest round of talks in Washington. And after a total blockade, the International Committee for the Red Cross is able to resume the transfer of patients from Artsakh to Armenia for now. Four Armenian servicemen were killed this week in an Azerbaijani attack involving artillery fire and UAV strikes on Nagorno-Karabakh positions in the Martuni and Martaket regions of Artsakh. This was on June 28. This is the deadliest incident since March 5 when three police officers were killed in an Azerbaijani ambush in the Lachin corridor. According to the Artsakh Defense Ministry, Azerbaijan launched a continuous disinformation campaign throughout the week leading up to this latest attack, accusing the Artsakh Defense Army of violating the ceasefire fire in order to create the pretext for the attack. The soldiers that were killed were Armo Apgarian, Sambel Torosian, Yervant Tadevosian, and Gagik Palayan. Matthew Miller, spokesperson for the U.S. State Department, tweeted that they are deeply disturbed by the loss of life in Nagorno-Karabakh and that this latest incident underscores the need to refrain from hostilities and work towards a durable and dignified peace. Right, and we're back to both sidism and these statements. It's, it's very a less subtle both sidism. There's no direct uh, call for on both sides to refrain. Just like be friendly. Well, in a tweet that same day, Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan urged the international community to take practical steps to ensure the rights and security of the people of Artsakh, noting that the Lachin Corridor remains illegally blocked and this latest incident risks deepening destabilization in the region. At a cabinet meeting the following day, Pashinyan said that Azerbaijan sought to undermine the efforts for establishing peace and addressing the rights and security of the people of Nagorno-Karabakh with the June 28 attack, describing the bombardment as a pre-planned provocation. Following this Azerbaijani attack, Artsakh's parliament issued a statement calling on the Armenian delegation in Washington to immediately stop talks with Azerbaijan until the establishment of, quote, a full ceasefire on the line of contact with Artsakh and within the borders of Armenia and the provision of documentary guarantees to maintain it. Otherwise, the continuation of the negotiations will mean encouraging the aggressive behavior of the Azerbaijani side and legitimizing it at the international level. Artsakh's foreign ministry issued a statement that reads, this unprovoked deadly attack once again demonstrates that Azerbaijan has not abandoned its plans to resolve the Azerbaijan-Karabakh conflict with the use of military force and that these attacks are a clear manifestation of the genocidal policy consistently pursued by Azerbaijan with tacit non-resistance on the part of the international community. Member of the French National Assembly and head of the France-Armenia Friendship Group and Laurence Patel strongly condemned the Azerbaijani attack in Artsakh, tweeting that while the blockade has lasted for 200 days, Aliyev is still demonstrating his plans for the ethnic cleansing of Nagorno-Karabakh and as president of the European Commission Ursula von der Leyen and president of the European Council Charles Michel what they think about this quote reliable partner. During the week Azerbaijani forces also fired towers the village of Kichan in the Martaget region and the village of Chaknatar. They also fired a 22-year-old resident of Murishem village in Artsakh's Martuni region while he was working in his tractor. He was not injured. 
Azerbaijani military also opened fire on June 27 at the construction site of a steel mill in the Armenian village of Yeras. The Ministry of Defense of Armenia said in a statement the construction site has been hit repeatedly by Azerbaijani shelling. During one such cross-border shooting, as we reported on June 14, two Indian workers were wounded. U.S.-mediated talks between the foreign ministers of Armenia and Azerbaijan lasting three days concluded on June 29. Minister of Foreign Affairs of Armenia Arad Mirzoyan and his Azerbaijani counterpart, Jehun Bayranov, held bilateral negotiations at the George Schultz National Foreign Affairs Training Center in Arlington, Virginia, to discuss the draft of the bilateral agreement on peace and the establishment of interstate relations, and later had trilateral meetings with the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, and assistance to the President and National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan. During his meeting with Sullivan, Mirzoyan emphasized the importance of ensuring maximum certainty in the delimitation process based on the Alma-Ata Declaration and the 1975 maps. He also spoke about the importance of addressing the rights and security issues of the people of Nagorno-Karabakh, referring to the recent ceasefire violations and the situation in the Lachin Corridor. Sullivan also encouraged both sides to, quote, avoid provocations and de-escalate tensions in order to build confidence. A day earlier, Mirzoyan met with a U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. The two talked about the normalization process between Armenia and Azerbaijan, as well as discussed regional security and stability issues. In a statement issued following the meeting, Armenia's foreign ministry said that the ministers and their teams continued progress on the draft bilateral agreement on peace and establishment of interstate relations. They reached an agreement on additional articles and advanced mutual understanding of the draft agreement, meanwhile acknowledging that the positions on some key issues Issues require further work. And on June 30, Secretary Blinken tweeted appreciating the further progress and the openness of both sides to reach a durable peace. Blinken also acknowledged that hard work still needs to be done to achieve a peaceful deal. And the blockade and siege of Artsakh by Azerbaijan has now surpassed 200 days. As a reminder, on June 22, Azerbaijan engaged in yet another provocation by installing a concrete barrier on the Hakari Bridge, completely blocking all transport vehicles, including humanitarian aid and the transfer of patients from Artsakh to Armenia by Russian peacekeepers and the International Committee of the Red Cross. And then they shifted around the concrete blockade so that cars could eventually get through, but it was just yet another... Um, blow, if you will, to any kind of hope for some peace. On June 23, Nabila Masrali, the EU's foreign policy spokesperson, said the near-total blockade of the Lachin Corridor in place is very worrying, adding that the blockade threatens the livelihood of the local population. She also expressed concerns about the heightened tensions along the Armenian-Azerbaijani border and the Karabakh line of contact, confirming that the EU continues to be engaged at the highest political level to help defuse the tensions. Her statement was released two days after the EU delegation and European Parliament members joined the EU monitors, as we know there's a European Union monitoring mission here, for a patrol near the Hakari Bridge. Natalie Loiseau, who led the visiting parliamentary delegation, demanded an immediate end to the illegal blockade. On June 25, the transfer of patients from Artsakh to Armenia by the International Committee of the Red Cross resumed, as you said, Maria. Since then, 48 patients were transferred to Armenia 
Virginia, video footage shows how Azerbaijani soldiers were thoroughly checking the documents of those being transferred. However, hospitals still have critical medication and supply shortages in Artsakh. Seven patients and their companions who had previously been transferred to Armenia for treatment are scheduled to return to Artsakh today. A day earlier, on June 24, Russian peacekeepers transported urgently needed medicine from Armenia to Artsakh by helicopter, both apparently for themselves and for the people of Artsakh. They also transferred a one-year-old child who is in need of intensive care to Armenia by helicopter. And on the other side of the corridor, on June 24, 60 diplomats and military attaches from 33 countries and 10 organizations accredited to Azerbaijan visited Lachin, including the Lachin border checkpoint. Azerbaijan's foreign ministry stated that the diplomats got acquainted with the conditions created at the border crossing point and had a chance to personally witness the falsity of the provocative claims of the Armenian side about the closure of the road. It added that Azerbaijan has created conditions for the activity of the International Committee of the Red Cross for the transportation of citizens And that's why the corridor is open, right? I mean, I don't know if you saw there's other video footage of Armenians of Artsakh waiting at the border checkpoint and there's this elderly couple and the woman is so distraught she starts crying because just of the situation and her husband is trying to console her and then you know like we were saying you should see what they were doing to the ICRC vehicles making them open every nook and cranny of the car checking under above it so yeah the false claims of Armenians is (laughs) very telling uh, in the Azerbaijani narrative anyway as a reminder last week the EU delegation and EU parliamentary delegation delegation visited the Lachin quarter, as we said earlier. And, you know, Natalie Loiseau was very strong in her condemnation of that. Uh, but then this leads us to the next interesting piece of news that you're going to be reading, Rubina. Oh, yes. Uh, well, about this visit, it's very mm-hmm. interesting. The EU has condemned the threat that Azerbaijan's ambassador to EU, Wakif Sadikov, made to the members of the European Parliament on June 23 in response to the visit of the delegation to Armenia that traveled close to the Azerbaijani border. Sadikov's tweet threatened to fire at the parliamentarians by Azerbaijani-produced sniper, warning them to keep clean of Azerbaijani's state border. The EU spokesperson called such behavior totally unacceptable for an ambassador accredited to the EU. So it's just that when it's staged on their part, it's, it's okay, okay to visit. Mm-hmm. When they visit mm-hmm. here, they're going to get shot by a sniper. Well, Loiseau, who led that delegation, responded to the tweet asking whether the, quote, diplomat is threatening members of the European Parliament. She also stated that taking 120,000 human beings hostage is nothing to be proud of and that they will continue to support peace and respect for the people of Nagorno-Karabakh. Arif Shahmarli, who served as Azerbaijan's ambassador to the EU from the year 2000 until 2007, also condemned Sadikov's tweet, stating that this kind of action will not help Azerbaijan and will be used against the country at a time of peace negotiations. Well, on June 28, Amnesty International tweeted that Azerbaijani authorities must lift the blockade of Nagorno-Karabakh and bring an end to the unfolding humanitarian crisis. It added that Azerbaijan continues to ignore the ruling by the UN's top judicial body to ensure free movement on the Lachin Quarter. This is the ruling of the International Court of Justice. And during the weekly briefing on June 28, the spokesperson of the Russian Foreign Ministry, Maria Zakharva, called on both sides to exercise restraint and settle all disputed issues in a peaceful, political, diplomatic way, in cooperation, of course, with the command of the Russian peacekeeping troops. She went on to say that 
The complete unblocking of the Lachin Corridor would create conditions for the normal life of the civilian population and help to escalate the situation. This week, she surprised us. <laughs> she said complete unblocking, and then she recognized the civilian population you of Artsakh. You should stop complaining about Zakharova every week, Rubina. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. Well, she said that Russia's role in stopping the bloodshed in Nagorno-Karabakh is beyond doubt. This role cannot be questioned in any way because the conflicting parties have confirmed it. Zakharova also spoke about the possible opening of the Abkhazian railway, stating that Russia is making every effort to ensure a railway connection between Armenia and Russia. On June 28, the EU mission to Armenia tweeted, saying they patrol daily alongside the Armenian-Azerbaijani border on Armenian territory, including the entrance to the Lachin Corridor, to report on new military and security developments to Brussels. The EU mission Armenia impartial reporting then directly contributes to the EU-led peace process in the South Caucasus, according to their communication. Well, on June 27, during a session of the Special Parliamentary Commission set up to investigate the 2020 Artsakh War, Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan said that if Armenia had recognized the independence of Nagorno-Karabakh during the war, it would still have been impossible to stop the fighting. He revealed that Armenian intelligence was reporting a 30% probability of war before September 25, 2020, but on September 25, two days before Azerbaijan attacked Nagorno-Karabakh in what became known as the 44-day war, Armenian intelligence agencies intercepted a communication between Turkish F-16 fighter jets, which prompted an increased combat readiness level. When asked whether or not he believed that war was inevitable, Pashinyan said, we could have said that we abandon our vision of viewing Nagorno-Karabakh outside of Azerbaijan and taken that path, which of course wouldn't have guaranteed that it could be um, possible to avoid a war. Well, he went on to say that there had been dozens of cases when the president of Nagorno-Karabakh called and said that the situation had changed in a given area, and when he tried to verify this information from the Ministry of Defense, this is of Armenia, he was told that this information was untrue, but sometime later they were forced to admit that it was indeed true. And this is such a concerning kind of revelation. Mm -hmm. It's not that we didn't know this, but (laughs) I hope this does not continue when we cannot confirm firm facts or right. being misinformed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that was one of the biggest challenges, I'm sure. Well, the committee chair, Antrani Kocharian, asked Pashinyan whether he had been briefed on the intelligence report in 2020. Pashinyan said, since I was elected prime minister in May of 2018 and be- I began to receive intelligence briefings, the NSS intelligence was always warning about the probability of war. He said, adding that different time frames of possible attacks had been communicated to him. He also said that the military armament acquisition plan was not changed, but additional equipment was brought. He added that some types of weapons in the arsenal of the Armenian military weren't entirely under the control of Armenia itself during the 2020 war. And this opens the door yeah, to so many that interpretations. It was under the Russian command, right. Well, the prime minister said that at no point did his administration consider changing the foreign policy vector of the country before the war. He went on to say that he had information that Robert Kocharian, this is Armenia's second president, considered swapping the Armenian town of Meghri with Nagorno-Karabakh during his presidency in negotiations with then-Azerbaijani leader Haidar Aliyev, which is, of course, Ilham's father. On June 28, Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan's spoke with Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Prime Minister Pashinyan congratulated Erdogan on Ghurban Bayrami. This is Eid al-Adha. While the latter conveyed congratulations on 
upcoming Vartavar, the holiday celebrating the transfiguration of Jesus Christ to the Armenian leader, the Prime Minister's office said. Armenia-Turkey normalization process was discussed during that phone call. They weren't only congratulating each other. In this context, the implementation of the agreement on opening the land border for diplomatic passport holders and citizens of third countries was discussed. And Armenia will soon complete the restoration of the Markara Bridge, a road bridge across the Arax River linking Armenia and Turkey, and hopes that Turkey will likewise adhere to the agreement on opening the land border for diplomatic passport holders and citizens of third countries. Vice Speaker of Parliament at Armenia Special Representative for Normalization of Relations with Turkey, Ruben Rubinian said. The last agreement was following, uh, this is again according to Rubinian, that in the beginning of the tourism season, the land border should be opened. Again, we keep repeating it for citizens of third countries and diplomatic passport holders. The Armenian side is working to restore the relevant infrastructure at Margara. We will complete it very soon, he said. And uh, he went on to say that we hope that the Turkish side will also adhere to the agreement and that it will be implemented this summer. The process is installed, Rubinian added, noting that he maintains contact with his counterpart in Turkey, Serdar Kilik, whenever needed. There is no agreement on a new meeting yet, he said. On June 24, Prime Minister Pashinyan had a telephone conversation with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Pashinyan said that although the events unfolding in Russia are internal affairs, he would like to receive information about the situation. This is in reference to the Wagner Group and Prigozhin attempting a mutiny. The President of Russia, which was a one-day affair, the, the strangest day on Twitter, Rubina, <laughs> Anyway, the President of Russia inf- told Pashinyan, you know, he explained the latest developments. And on June 26th, Speaker of Armenia's Parliament, Alan Simonia, said that the Wagner Group's attempted rebellion is Russia's internal affairs, even though it could potentially impact the region. U.S. Department of State Senior Advisor on Commercial Competitiveness of Nuclear Energy, Justin Friedman, met Deputy Prime Minister Meher Grigorian on June 28th of this week. He was accompanied by U.S. Ambassador to Armenia, Kristina Kvein. Possible cooperation in the field of nuclear energy was discussed at the meeting. Thoughts were also exchanged regarding the global trends in the field of human capital development, digitalization, and high technologies, and reforms implemented in these fields in Armenia, Grigorian presented Armenia's main energy challenges and also touched upon the importance of Armenia's participation in regional energy programs. And also interestingly, Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan received a delegation headed by James O'Brien, head of the U.S. Department of State Sanctions Coordination Office on June 29. The Prime Minister expressed satisfaction with the dynamic nature of the development of Armenian-American relations and emphasized the support of the U.S. administration in promoting democratic reforms in Armenia. Issues related to the humanitarian crisis in Artsakh as a result of Azerbaijan's illegal blockade, Baku's provocative and aggressive actions on the Armenia-Azerbaijani border and on the line of contact with Kharapakh, the progress of negotiations on the settlement of relations between Armenia and Azerbaijan, as well as Armenia-Turkey reconciliation process were also discussed. And on June 28, renowned French artists raised their voices in support of Armenia and Artsakh at a special evening in Paris. The event was named Armenia Road of Life. The artists and the scholars present expressed their solidarity and support for the people of Artsakh in the face of existential challenges. Hasmik Dolmadjian, the Armenia's ambassador to France, thanked them for their solidarity and support. Jean Antriasian, who is the Minister of Education, Science, Culture and Sport, and French government officials and lawmakers were also 
were present. Shell, a British oil and gas multinational, is now in Armenia. The first Shell opened in Armenia yesterday in partnership with Royal Oil Armenia. Dikran Balayan, the ambassador of Armenia in the Netherlands and Luxembourg, announced this in a tweet. Maria, I never thought I would say the words Royal Oil Armenia. Well, there's always a first time for it, Rubina, and that's the kind of week we had here in Armenia, Artsakh, and the region. Thank you for listening. Have a safe and peaceful weekend, and we will be back again next week.